Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 673, chapter 103, Lessons. Time passed. Valerian took me dayward to a piece of forest even older and grander than the one that surrounded her twilight glade. There we climbed trees as tall and broad as mountains. In the highest branches, we could see... In the highest branches, you could feel the vast trees swaying in the wind like a ship on the swelling sea. There, with nothing but the blue sky around us and the slow motion of the tree beneath, Valerian taught me ivy on the oak. I tried to teach Valerian tack, only to discover that she already knew it. She beat me handily and played a game so lovely Brayden would have wept to look on it. I learned a bit of the fey tongue, a small bit, a scattering. Actually, in the interest of pure honesty, I will admit that I failed miserably in my attempt to learn the Fey language. Valerian was a less-than-patient teacher, and the language bafflingly complex. My failure went beyond mere incompetence to the point where Valerian actually forbade me from attempting to speak it in her presence. Overall, I gained a few phrases and a great dollop of humility. Useful things. Valerian taught me several Feyan songs. They were harder for me to remember than mortal songs, their melodies slippery and twisting. When I tried to play them on my lute, the strings felt strange beneath my fingers, making me fumble and stutter as if I were some country boy who'd never held a lute before. I learned their lyrics by rote, without the least inkling what the words might mean. Through it all, we continued to work on my shade. Rather, Fullerian worked on it. I asked questions, watched, and tried to avoid feeling like a... End of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick, and it is our bailiwick to point out uh, strange inconsistencies in the books. The title of this chapter in Jeremy and Jordana's editions, which are later than mine, is Lessons. Uh, The title of the chapter in my book, the first edition, is Close Enough to Touch, which, as Jeremy pointed out offline, is probably a printing error, uh, but interesting to note. Mm-hmm. And it's the same I, t- chapter title as chapter 101 also. So probably a printing error. And those chapters are definitely not close enough to touch. So it's it's got to be a printing error because it's not <laughs> true. Yeah, I'll, I'll revise my assessment if that phrase somehow works it in, works itself into this two-page chapter, but I don't think that it will. Uh, this is another one of those short chapters that almost feels like uh, we're pulling back and we're getting a little bit of a montage of activities as we set up the next kind of the next big scene yeah and uh interesting um juxtaposition between quoth's failure to learn the language on this chapter and his failure to understand the magic on the previous chapter and this one he sort of he learns humility and he points it out uh or Mm. you know he's very proud and, and and modest in his humility um and uh, in the previous chapter, he is offended and and jealous. Uh, so uh, maybe it's not all knowledge, uh, the, the pursuit of all knowledge, but simply magical knowledge. Also, mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder if Rothfuss is like avoiding a, a a complex issue here of you know inventing another language as complicated as Edemic and and getting Quoth to learn it, and also maybe avoiding criticism that Quoth is learning too many languages too easily. Uh, so just. We established that there is a fan language. Quoth uh, knows a few words of it, uh, but uh, we're not going to get into its specifics in the way that we do with with Edemic and even uh, other languages like Temic that we um, uh, do see 
and in ancillary settings. Yeah, I I think like craftsmanship wise, I think that learning the ADEM language is like a set piece in this book. It's like it's like an important thing that Spothman spends many chapters doing and over time demonstrating mastery of, and then it becomes narratively important when he goes to Ademra. And I think that having another narratively important set piece that's based around learning a language would just feel repetitious. And if you say that like even Quoth, who we know is very, very clever, can't learn the Fey language, then that means it's very difficult to learn and probably like, you know, human tongues can't fully pronounce it, right? So that and just lends Similarly, the Fey the music, Quoth of all people cannot play the Fey music. That's really mm-hmm. interesting to me. Sorry, He's Jeremy, better I didn't interrupt at it, you, but I think it's I think it's relevant. Yeah, it is relevant. And I think it's relevant that like he's better at learning the fame music than he is the language, because he can at least play a couple of songs. Whereas like Valerian's just like, don't even please like stop trying. It's it's embarrassing and mortifying to me. It's offending me that you're doing it. Whereas with the music, he's a better musician than he is a linguist. Perhaps even if you believe that Kvoth is somehow connected to the Fae by his parentage or some other thing, then maybe that connection allows him to learn the music a little bit better because that connection is already part of why he's such a gifted musician. And it's the lyrics that he simply can't, he just has to learn the sounds of the words without understanding like what they mean. My deep read slash crackpot theory on this is that the language and the music of the Fae is intrinsic to their being. It's sort of like part of their magic and it cannot be duplicated um and because quoth is you know such a wonderful musician and again possibly related to the fate with his parentage he is able to like eventually pick it out but it's not as simple as like i'm learning and playing this song it's like this cannot be you cannot do this you cannot comprehend this because it is not a part of your being it is not you are not fundamentally uh part of this and like conversely the language and the music of the fate is fundamentally a part of them in a way that it isn't if you're immortal Mm. reasonable Jordana do you have any thoughts on this page uh I feel like you guys kind of covered it um oh I have one more thing okay and it is and this is really out there so you know I'm not actually suggesting this but it is interesting surprise (laughs) it is interesting to me that we get a connection between the Fae and Brayden with the tack with the the discovery that Tack is something that Felurian knows intrinsically, deeply, and has for a long time. Tack is as old as Felurian, or at least like she has been exposed to it. Does anyone else play Tack in the whole story except for Felurian and Brayden? Well, Brayden must theoretically play Tack with other people. Well, he has, well, he goes to quote specifically so we can play Tack with him, basically. Right, like he. Yeah. Maybe he has others. Who knows? But I—that wasn't my question. I, we don't see anyone else play tack, right? I can't think of anybody. Yeah, same. Uh, listeners, but, if you can think of anyone else who plays tack besides Braden and Valerian, uh, do write in. Uh, the cover art of the tack uh, game uh, does not count, uh, nor does the marginalia. And I think there's one edition where there's like marginalia by Simon scrawled on the board. So maybe, I don't know if that counts or not. I'm, I'm ruining my own theory by, by bringing in the, the paratext 
of the uh, the printed and published board game. But what I'm kind of getting at here is that if you are a subscriber to the theory that Brayden is some sort of uh, fey agent, or at least like fey adjacent agent, uh, this might be a point a in that corner because Tack is now something that we can associate with the fey be through this this discovery that Florian knows it. Mm. Yes. Yes. I don't I don't yes. really know where it's going and I feel like we don't That's touch called, on it again yes. in this book. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. It, yes. It might yes. Yes. Let's do Why the fork this? in the garbage disposal. Ding 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 ding. Why is this happening? I thought we were doing the yes song. No, you you were doing the yes song. Um, the only other thing I wanted to point out on this page is that it would be outdoor sex is never as much fun as you think it's going to be, and I feel like screwing uh, on the In a bare tree. bark of a tree <laughs> would be very uncomfortable. I don't know that that uh, just because it's called like vine on the oak tree that it's actually anything to do with oak trees. But they, yeah, they're no, doing it in the tree. Probably, no, no, no. In she's teaching him branches. how to weave. She's teaching him how to weave uh, ropes from the ivy to help them in their climbing. Oh, she's teaching him how to weave ropes. All right. Oh, weird. <laughs> oh weird disgusting. And gross. Oh, that's the worst joke we've had on this podcast. We've had some bad jokes on this podcast. Jeremy, you're going to jail. <laughs> you can't send me to jail. I run horny jail. <laughs> we'll send you to bad joke jail. That's like sending the kingpin to prison, Nick. <laughs> uh, Jeremy arrives in horny jail and is like, you're locked in here with me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I run this town. Oh, uh, God. Uh, well, listeners, um, trying to segue out of here without referencing ropes anymore. It's not going to happen. Maybe you should climb one of those ropes that both wove uh, to the next uh. page. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. What's the matter? Is the rope not easy to climb? Is it like... Oh, God, stop Uh, it! No! uh, (laughs) uh, uh, No one uh, likes this. Let's just leave. Page (laughs) of the wind! (laughs) 